0: Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced podcast, episode 46, and another edition of Wanda Distanced. I am your host, Al Manarino, the managing editor of ThePopBreak.com, with me, as always, because he's been here the whole time, Mr. Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief of ThePopBreak.com. Bill, what's going on?
1: Bodkin did it, and I can't yeah. Sparky, too. Oh. Uh, uh. I'm here. Um, I'd like to wish you a happy belated birthday. Thank you. Entering the uh, 30 for 30 club. That's right. have known you since you were a wee skinny lad who missed one assignment. I almost got rid of you, and now you're one of my best friends. I did your wedding, and, uh, you know, now you're doing this podcast with me.
0: It was like eight years or something like that. Eight Eight or nine years. Glorious years. My God. Time legitimately
1: flies. In between that. What did you say? One was? One, one Foo Fighters concert where we yelled at the guy from Drunk History.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot. Jared he sh- like, dark waters! He's like, I know. He had as I'll shitty fight. seats as we did. Yes, he did. But you all have great seats to this amazing podcast episode with two awesome guests returning from the last, I don't know, six episodes, seven episodes of the series so far. Uh, Mr. Cole Rothacker. Hi, Cole. Hello. Welcome. Hi uh how are you today cole what, what 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 random movie did you watch this week
2: Ooh, uh i watched the first star trek movie like the old one uh mm-hmm. after taking an edible and that was cool
0: <laughs> that must have been pretty
2: interesting that's not the yeah one that- it was it's like an aggressively boring movie but like there's amazing parts in it <laughs>
0: All right, well, um, okay, that's not, that probably the the hardest sell for that movie ever, and I don't think I'm ever gonna watch it. Oh, I,
2: I no, I I highly recommend it, but it is like it's like it's like Fantasia, but like Star Trek, okay, Comic, comically
0: long.
1: Do you only recommend Star Trek and or Fantasia when you're on an edible?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I'm glad It's, to got, be, the, uh, it's <laughs> got the edible seal of approval, um, yeah. and. And also with us this week, uh, first time on the Wanda Distance podcast is Mr. Alex Marcus, uh, the podcast editor for thepotbreak.com. Welcome, Alex. Hey,
3: guys. How are you doing today? I don't know. It's, it's a loopy day.
0: It's yeah. definitely yeah. a loopy day. It's so I
3: don't a, have any edible adventures to share with you guys. I mean, it, they're not required for the podcast,
0: but they're <laughs> always welcomed. Um, well, we have a ton, a ton of to, to talk about, like just... Probably one of the most talked about episodes of the series thus far. Um, we, don't know, we feel like we say that every week. We do. But, we but, do. but this week's episode was was a doozy. Uh, and we're near into we're near in the end. We're getting there. I think it's that's a nine episode series. I'm right on that one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we have nine episodes. Uh, two episodes left, and this is episode seven, breaking the fourth wall. We are going to go into the first segment of the podcast when we talk about last week on WandaVision. Uh, episode seven, breaking the fourth wall. And we're ripping this straight from Wikipedia. So uh, please, uh, that all credit goes to them. In a mid to late 2000 setting, Wanda decides to have a day to herself. And Agnes agrees to babysit Tommy and Billy. Wanda sees various parts of her house constantly changing and is unable to control them. Vision wakes up to find that the sword agents inside the boundary are now members of a circus. He he releases Darcy from the spell and she tells Vision about his death and the events that led to the current situation. Outside of Westview, Monica and Jimmy meet with loyal sword sword personnel and obtain a vehicle that should be able to cross the barrier. When this is unsuccessful, Monica decides to enter herself. She passes through the static wall and emerges with seemingly heightened vision. When Monica confronts Wanda, Agnes tells Monica to leave and, take Wanda to, and takes Wanda to the house. Wanda looks for the boys in the basement and discovers a strange lair. Agnes introduces herself as Agatha Harkness and reveals that she is also a witch. It was Agatha who sent Wanda a Pietro imposter and also <laughs> killed Sparky in maybe one of the finest moments of television in 2021. I, I think this is... uh. I don't even think it's an argument. I, don't, I honestly don't think it's an argument. But guys, um, that, I feel like that just scratched the surface of legitimately breaking the fourth wall. We get this office slash modern family slash happy endings. Uh, we can go in that go into that a little more. Uh, setting, you know, we, we've been kind of talking about uh, each episode before talking about like what we hope to see in the next one. So I guess I want to start that as like the first question of this segment i think there's something wrong here wanda just talking about you know expectations for a style of television that we are literally so used to this is for for alex cole and myself maybe not bill but this is a very these are the formative years of our television experience uh yeah bill i called you old just um shots at bill shots at bill didn't Man, even see you're I'm coming.
1: the one who makes old jokes of myself god yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, starting with Alex, our, our, our brand new guest for this, uh, for this week, uh, what were your expectations going into the two thousands, like the, the, how they were going to kind of tackle it. Um, have you been impressed by the other ways that they've, you know, kind of adapted television and just, you know, give us your overall like thoughts going into this episode.
3: Okay, yeah. So going into this episode, one of my favorite things about this series has been the ways in which they've been able to create these really detailed and interesting homages to sitcom history. I'm like a big fan of sitcoms throughout the years. Unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of sitcoms now, but I grew up on sitcoms from every era. I was always, like, watching stuff and syndication and reruns and TV Land and all that stuff. So I really watched all of the shows that this sh- series has been kind of uh, sampling and paying homage to over the years and with the exclusion of Family Ties, which is a show that I just never watched um, and didn't have a lot of familiarity with. Um, but... I've been really, really impressed with the level of detail that they've been able to put into each of these episodes. And most importantly, and I talk about this a little bit in my review uh, for this week, because I, by the way, do do weekly recaps of the show for thepopbreak.com. I'm just consistently impressed with the ways in which uh, actors like Paul Bettany and especially Elizabeth Olsen are able to maintain the integrity of their characters from week to week while also doing these incredible uh impressions of these historic uh like sitcom actors um like in the first episode of the series like she's channeling uh, mary tyler moore in such a really compelling way in the 70s episode she's really channeling florence henderson and in this episode she does like an incredible julie bowen impression while still being wanda the whole time and i just that just blows my mind that you could shift the performance to capture someone else's essence entirely while still maintaining the integrity of your own character. It's really an underrated element of how good this series is and I really hope it's rewarded come award season because it's just no one else is doing this. It's such a bizarre thing to even ask an actor to do and they're just nailing it every single week. Paul Bettany as well, doing a great job with this.
0: Yeah, I was going to say he was the definitely the the dad uh, Phil from Modern Family. <laughs> yeah. He was like <laughs> perfectly channeling that energy <laughs> uh cole sort of the same question uh really more about the you know the specifics on the the 2000 setting i feel like uh you weren't cra- i think most of us weren't even crazy about the halloween episode in terms of the way that they used the malcolm in the middle uh, setting or what we didn't expect it as, as maybe what I'm saying, instead of being disappointed, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about what we thought would be, we'd see in the nineties version, right? More of a, uh, saved by the bell, more Rose of a Roseanne. We were discussing as well. I'm glad that they didn't go the Roseanne round. would have felt too, too similar to what we've been used to, but Cole long preamble, just uh, how did you feel about how they tackled the two thousands?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it honestly felt very accurate to me. It's, been kind of a while since I've watched a lot of the shows they were referencing in this episode but I did feel like you know like they like like they have throughout the whole time they they really captured the look and the and more importantly like the tone of all these shows which is is so interesting to me because like like I said in the previous episode like in the when they did Malcolm in the middle they got like the exact tone of that show which is not something I'm sure I could even like articulate, but I, I I know it when I see it, and they got it so specifically, and they did that again for this episode. It felt just like Modern Family and The Office and all these other shows. It, it was pretty much what I was expecting, just based on what I had seen in the trailers and kind of uh, where we were where the last episode had left off. You know, I, I wasn't too surprised with what we ended up seeing, but I was you know, happy that they continue to do it so consistently.
0: Bill, anything to add?
1: Yeah, I kind of go with what Alex said about how he's talking about the actors were, you know, kind of, and Alex, I'm probably butchering what you're saying, doing these impressions of these classic uh, sitcom stars, but while also maintaining their character, and that's essentially what the series is doing as well. Um, Doing impersonations of classic sitcoms, while maintaining the integrity of Wanda and her story. I mean, one of my favorite things and it's this silly little thing, but I, am just like, Oh my God, this happens on the office of modern family all the time where you have like, and you saw it when they were stopped in the funnel of love truck at a red light, which is the funnel cake truck where it's a long shot. They're zoomed all the way back. Then they kind of do a medium zoom, but they're still very far away. And I'm like, that happened on the office all the time. It was just like, Far away, we're gonna zoom in, sort of, and we're gonna stop there. And like it was like camera movement, like there was even motion blurs that were like that felt the same. Like the score, you kept feel like you were hearing those drums from the beginning of like and percussion from the beginning of the Modern Family theme song played in the beginning, where Wanda's like, you know, where everything's changing, like where the milk keeps changing, and like you're hearing those, and it's like they're playing riffs on the Modern Family theme song. And like the fact they're doing that, they don't need to do even stuff like that small, but it just heightens everything. But they never sacrifice the story and th- that they're trying to tell for the sake of style, which I think is great.
0: Well, let's dive in the, to the story that they're trying to tell, uh, you know, right off the bat with uh, how this episode begins, you know, we, we get transitioned into another decade Wanda wakes up still wearing part of her Halloween costume from. The, I love just love that little touch. That um, so I'm starting. I'm also starting to notice more and more about the level of detail that they put into each scene. So you see the hexes in um, in her comforter. Um, there's I think hexes. Yeah. In, there's a uh, picture frames on the wall that are in the hex shape with no photos in them. I don't know if that was an art reason or or you know just more. On along the lines of just like her not be able to control reality um that might be taking a step too far it could have just been for art reason. uh but we're you know we're seeing the modern family episode kind of unfold but we're leaning more into the powers now like the powers are out in the open as she said in um the the halloween episode we're, we're starting to see the the reality starting to crumble even though she had expanded it She losing control of the situation and she even says it herself. Um, So Kat's not here, Cole, but Mm -hmm. Kat was, I believe talking, you know, you know, (laughs) obviously this was supposed to be uh, Kat's, you know, I told you so moment. Um, She'd been wanting (laughs) to probably do this for a long time uh, saying that it was, uh, you know, Agatha the whole time. And we'll get more into that a little bit later, but let's talk about another point that she brought up previously. Was uh, Wanda starting to lose it control of it? I thought she was getting more powerful in the sense mm-hmm. of it getting bigger, the hex. But it seems like she's kind of losing the grip of reality, or it appears to be. So, uh, t- just talk about how you know the how you thought the episode was laid out. Were you were you a fan? And uh, you know, did it, did it only help with the big reveal at the end?
2: Uh, yeah, no, it, it's kind of funny. It seemed like they were less invested in this episode and doing a sitcom storyline. It it kind of seems like they started out doing one, but then they sort of, you know, kind of as the show has gone on, it's become more of a back and forth between sitcom stuff and real world stuff. And and it seemed like the sitcom stuff in this episode was pretty perfunctory overall and just setting up where we need to go with uh, the reveal of Agatha Harkness and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was interesting to, to see, though, that, you know, her powers are, are starting to slip up, which, you know, both me and Kat noticed in the previous episode, it seemed like there was some anachronistic elements going on there. And I, I don't know if for sure that's, that was like the intention of that, but, you know, we both noticed it in the previous episode and, and now it seems to be a major, you know, it was the plot of this one, more or less. Um, so it's interesting that they're kind of, uh, expanding on that even further, um, yeah, no, it, it, I, I thought it was it was all interesting and it all uh, served well in uh, getting us to that shocker ending.
0: Alex, we're we're now at the point of the series where we're splitting time between reality and you know sitcom. How do you feel that the show has kind of blended that? Do, do do you think that they're they're doing it in a way that it, it doesn't feel forced? Do you? Uh, and and more specifically, how do you feel about the Monica Rambeau of it all, and her storyline? Well,
3: sure, I think that in terms of executing the sitcom stuff versus uh, balancing it with more of the the wider plot ramifications, um, we've certainly seen a progression. As Cole said, like we started out in the very first episode, it was almost all sitcom, and by now it's definitely less of a of a feature. It's more of a it's more of like one corner of a much larger show. Um, but I do want to push back a little bit. Um, I don't feel like it was perfunctory. I think that it was actually they they managed to use this setting of the sitcom, the modern family esque sitcom, very effectively to push the story in a way where they just really used the tools that they had at their disposal in what I thought was a very useful way. Because you know we're at a point in the show where you know, Vision isn't talking to Wanda, Wanda isn't talking to Vision, everyone's feeling very isolated, and then boom, we're in modern family world where everybody can sit and have a confessional on the camera and talk about what's going on in their head and, like, work things out for themselves. And I thought that was a very, like, if you had to use that sort of sitcom trope at any point throughout the whole season, this is the perfect time to do it. So I really liked that in terms of how they were using it. And it also kind of helped tip a little bit more towards, like, what's going on with Agnes um, just enough without over, like, showing their hands. Um, So I think that they got as much as they needed out of this sort of conceit while still kind of maintaining the, like, making the ball move forward and exploring other elements of the show. Um, And specifically, it feels more and more each week that it's becoming the Monica Rambeau show, uh, which is not a bad thing at all, because Tiana Paris is fantastic in this role and she's a really compelling character and so for this show to be like a secret origin story for this character who has a long history in the comics and we know will be in future films I think is just genius it's the sort of stuff that Marvel does so well um, and most other places that try to do these things end up feeling really kind of shoehorned and uh, inauthentic. And with this, it just naturally flows into the course of the of the story that they're trying to tell in a really strong way. So I'm really glad that we're splitting more and more time between the various sitcom stuff and still giving time to, to uh, Monica Rambeau to really be the hero of this show because I think that's really where she's been positioned for a while. And this was definitely the most hero origin story sort of aspect that we've had so far. And I really loved it. I thought that the sequence where she's kind of going through the barrier and willing to risk her life, and you see the different versions of her split out in the spectrum, and of course her comic book character, one of the names that she has is Spectrum, um, so there's definitely I think uh, a knowing wink if at the very least. Um, And I thought it was really powerful, the way that it was all tied to this connection that she has to her mom. You hear all of these, you hear Carol Danvers uh, talking about um, her being, like, talking about how Monica is Maria's daughter. You hear Maria talking about how she's her daughter, and then you hear the the doctor letting her know that her mother has died and it's like these are all of the things that are draw, she's drawing strength from in, in order to break through this barrier which is really at the end of the day a barrier of grief that Wanda has built up around her and that's why uh Monica can break through it and I think that that's a really emotionally affecting story that they're subtly telling in the background that is just really getting larger and larger every episode and coming to a head um I think either next week or the following week, we thought that it was going to come to head this week. And then, you know, Agatha kind of did her trickery to kind of (laughs) move off of it. But uh, yeah, I just love, I think that a lot of people have been talking about that element of the story as this sort of like, oh my god, Marvel, they're just everything just has to be an origin story for some other character. And it's never about what it's about. I think that's just like a total misreading of that sequence. I think that Mm -hmm. It's so steeped in these characters and this exploration of guilt and grief and loss in a way that I found really compelling. And I'm really, really glad that they're operating on such a high level for a show like this. It's really impressive.
0: It's the people who complain that have never picked up a comic book and saw how these stories (laughs) unfolded, you know, inspired it. Uh, But again, Alex, that was beautiful um this is the reason we have guests on the podcast so me and bill sound smarter than we actually are um bill you have to follow alex now Shit. Uh, but i'll give you I'll I'll, I'll I'll
1: well one thing i wanted to ask alex first oh and then cole or Al, or you can feel this too is was one mm-hmm. of the voices she heard was that nick fury
0: yeah i, I believe so she heard because I, I put subtitles on the second time around and i think you hear fury and you definitely hear carol
1: I definitely heard Carol or her yeah. mom and then, like, I, and the doctor. And I was just mm-hmm. like, but I thought the male the male voice, there. I'm like, is that Nick Fury? Oh, no, it's not Fury.
3: Is it Hayward? No, no it's, it's Hayward. Fury. Are you sure? I think Hayward's in there also. Hayward's oh, yeah. in there talking oh, yeah. about yeah. how he yeah, had to right. yeah, take over right. for the mom. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's because she has met Fury
3: in, yeah she yeah. met Fury in the 90s. So it makes sense. Oh, no, okay. um,
0: uh, but yeah. So what's your, what's your question to me? Oh, my question for you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for getting me off track. No problem. Um, so let's let's we, you know we have to just talk about it because it's it's all on our minds. Um, it's the the latest banger and Bob, um, you know the the Agatha Harkness reveal, which is the you know everything leads up to in this episode. You know, but
1: I'd like to point to how this is the one damn theory I've had on this podcast which came to fruition, and yes. that was let's we'll talk about it. That. Well, it says created by Wanda Maximoff. Well, we could put that in quotes that Wanda is kind of was kind of the director of a lot of what was happening in her world. But there wasn't a producer or executive producer that was really pulling the strings here. And we first hear that um, in the scene where in the confessional scene where you hear, well, do you deserve it? Yeah. And. I I, was—I don't know how you guys felt, but I was completely chills up and down my spine when I heard that because that's not something we're used to hearing. We didn't from behind the camera. Yeah, I feel like for The Office, we didn't hear that until way later in the series. Uh, Yeah. Survival. there was
3: a there were very few instances in the office where someone would talk off camera and it would really be a plot point in yeah, that episode it would and of course in the office for people who haven't watched the office they do technically say that it's literally a documentary that is being filmed even yeah. though like there's like an 11 year documentary about this one random paper factory I don't think so hmm. but that's that is the conceit of the show whereas all of the shows that followed, don't have that central conceit. It's just kind of like this is just the way we're telling the story. We're letting them have these confessionals and looking at the camera, but there's no in-universe reason why any of it's happening. It's just kind of like visual storytelling.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So when you hear that voice, so when I watched it about 15 minutes before we started the podcast, when I listened back to it, it's Catherine Han throwing on a bad accent. It's uh, <laughs> like Ultramarine oh, Horror Frill, and I'm just like, because I'm like at the first I didn't re- I didn't know who it was. It sounded like. An actor who has been in a million things. He was on. Um, he was in Mad Men. He played like the Jerry Lewis character in like the Uts campaign, and like, I can't remember his name. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Uh, uh, he, he's been in uh, a bazillion things. Floor? I want to say he was in. Uh, he was in. He's his, on Lost. Uh, Mulholland Drive. Uh, tons of stuff. But and I was like, wow, that would be a random pull for like the, him just to have that line. How are we gonna introduce him? Then I hear back, it's Captain Holt. And yeah. then when we literally see Agatha in that chair. And I was just like vindicated. I was. I, one time I was just like, "Where's Dashboard Confessional when I need them?" Yeah. Um, probably know, so, around. I'm, I'm sure, sure they're. Are, probably, I'm, I'm sure friend, they're, inspi- they're getting ready the for the Pop Spider-Man <laughs> sequel. RandofthePopbreak.com. Chris Carraba. Um, that's a shoot. And uh, so I was. So I love the reveal that it's Agatha because I think we're we're all waiting for this. We're like, we were thinking maybe last episode is it a red herring, but I was like. Come on. She's got to be acting here. She's she's telling him, yeah, go
2: beyond, yeah.
1: go he, beyond. He and then
2: also, too.
1: when we get the reveal, it's just a chef's kiss. We've got the Necronomicon over here. If if Pietro doesn't make a clap to Narata, you know, joke at some point, why are we even doing this series? I'm kidding. But it, I would laugh. Um, but I loved the reveal. It was great. And it was it wasn't over the top. It was just perfect Catherine Han delivery of like, you're not the only magical girl in town while petting a rabbit named Scratch, which is obviously a euphemism for the devil or nickname for the devil, I should say. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And then we go into, as you said, one of the great moments in television we'll have this year. Yeah, the Monsters music video for uh, for Agatha Harkness.
0: I I was saving that for the podcast. I was gonna message you, but like, did they sample the Monsters theme? Like
1: it's, for I mean, sure, right?
0: It's definitely it's it's it's, it's, a, it's direct
1: homage.
3: Yeah, if okay. it's not literally the theme, it's an incredible recreation. It's, yeah, it's,
1: was, it's the same as the Modern Family. You know the the drum beats from Modern Family and how they've they've played upon this. Like we've seen this in how many shows? Like. uh um, riffs on different uh, themes in Star Wars or Ed, Edgar Wright's show spaced how many times they played on themes to have underneath certain scenes to ref- you know as an in joke to a movie or a yeah. wink wink that was definitely to the monsters because it, and it was perfect. it was absolutely perfect in every instance the most shocking one to me was and maybe not to you guys and we sh- I'll throw it to you guys pivoting out as a co-host. Was the Pietro part where she's controlling him? Was that the most surprising moment
0: of that montage? Uh, I mean, I'll start because I haven't I haven't said anything besides Good. questions. No. Um I just yes, it was definitely the most surprising because what I read from it from definitely the first two times that I've watched it was she has manifested him, she has created him. It's it's he's fake, so. That goes. That kind of washes out all of my theories and all of our theories that we've had so far about Pietro. Um, but does it? Know. But does it? That's my thing. Snoopers gonna snoop, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I
3: don't don't know. I didn't take it as she necessarily manifested him out of nothing, because none of these magic wielders in the entirety of the MCU have literally ever used their powers to just manifest something out of nothing. It's always like a manipulation of some sort of some kind, or it's like this uh, sort of like shift in perspective or whatever, like there's a lot of stuff that they can do. But we've never seen somebody like literally just take, like manifest something out of thin air. I think that. Except it, Wanda. <laughs> well, but what is Wanda, like, recreate, like, re kind of, like, forms she made things? two kids! Well, I mean, but we. I mean, everyone makes kids out of nothing, technically, right? That's not magic. That's just <laughs> biology. <laughs> yeah. They,
2: they did have sex before they have the kids.
3: Well, didn't Fun. you guys watch uh,
1: Knocked Up? You know, a woman gets pregnant, her butt's fall, butt falls off, you dig down in the, the dirt, babies. That's how one of my favorite scenes from that.
3: Yeah. So, so that answers your question about the kids. Um, in terms of the Pietro thing, I think that it's still an open question. We know that like she had her magical kind of like mojo around him, but what was that? Was she putting a face on another person? Was she putting thoughts inside of his brain to think that he was someone else? Did she pull him? from another universe, possibly through the nexus of reality, which was referenced in this episode, we still don't know. I think it's an open question. And it's also an open question when, in the mid-credits scene, which I'm sure we're going to get to, whether he's still under... Agatha's or Agnes's spell in that moment, or yeah. maybe he is not in that moment, and he's going to team up with Monica and help her out. Like it's really, it's we get just enough that it really could go in a number of directions.
0: Exactly, that's a great.
1: Orthol- I, that's what Cole's corpse theory, where everyone's just dead. <laughs> yeah. I love that theory. Animated them. I will. I will love that theory to yeah. the day I die.
0: No, I was saying that the, from the first time, first two times watching it, you can perceive that it's her creating him. But I, I want to, yes. I'm holding out hope that it's much bigger than that. And the snoopers gonna snoop moment, I, I you know, on first watch, thinking that's Agnes's security measures stopping uh, Monica from entering the premises. But then again, it could be what you just said, him, him, you know not being under control. He was blasted. The last time we saw him, he was blasted by, like, an energy blast from Wanda. And,
3: and we, we know, know that, we like, know. with we know that in movies and television, if you get hit in the head really hard, it breaks your uh, psychic control. That's it. That exactly. Under, so. exactly. It works for, for Hawkeye and the Avengers, so it could work <laughs> here, too.
0: That is very true. Um, yeah. I do want to bring up one random point before I take, uh, kick it to Cole, was um, Bill mentioned you know, the, the moment where we see, um, Agatha behind the director's chair, which was fantastic. But I also like the flip side of that from a little earlier when vision is getting interviewed and he's like, wait, what what am I doing? (laughs) And he takes the mic off, he's like, throws it. He's like, and then he just starts levitating out of the truck. I am just, I love that how he's like literally breaking apart the, the reality that, um, Agatha has created or Agatha and Wanda. I uh, just wanted to mention that before I forget. But Cole, yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about the you know, the reveal. Um how how did you feel about it, the execution of it, and I don't know, maybe a favorite moment from the uh the, the banger and bop?
2: Yeah, um I mean honestly I think like a lot of people it's pretty much exactly what, what I expected. Um I know me and Kat had been talking about it while watching it, but it just seems so obvious from the beginning, especially when you go back and watch it again. It's so obvious from the beginning that Agnes was like specifically pushing Wanda and vision to do very specific things. Um, and that is immediately like uh, suspicious, um, especially since no one else in the town is, seems to really be doing that or trying to make them do anything. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it I I, I thought the song was great. Uh, I think it's probably, it might be my favorite song they've done, just because it's the Monsters. But um, I thought it was great how they literally showed exactly how she had been messing around with them since the beginning, and a lot of it was exactly kind of what me and Kat theorized, you know, like in the last episode they, she got awakened by Vision, but you know, we 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 thought that even then that it was she was just putting on like a a facade or putting on a performance there, um, which is exactly what they revealed. And you know, that I think it kind of speaks to the theory we had that she did that specifically so that Vision would leave or go beyond the hex, and then that would uh, make Wanda need to expand it. So. It's, it just seems from the very beginning till up until now she's been pulling the strings and having the characters do these very specific things, but for what reason, we don't really know. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that she's the one who conjured up uh, fake Pietro. Again, you know, just when you watch that episode, it's very obvious that Wanda is, like, very surprised by his presence and is caught off guard by him showing up at the door and is also confused why he doesn't look like her brother. So it, it, it all checks out. Um, yeah, it no. Was it, it,
1: too. Remember we are a few episodes ago. We we're like, Oh man, what was Herb trying to say? Is he like, is he going to admit he's like, we're all
2: yeah.
1: like, Oh, is he in on this? Like I was like, we were talking about with the earpiece last week. We're like, Oh, is he like Hayward's guy on the inside? I feel like yeah. that kind of got completely debunked because like, you see that she puts him under her spell and that's why he's so you know spaced out he's like he's he's in it, literally in a trance
2: yeah
1: yeah so, uh, so i also wonder and maybe you guys can explain to me being less comic book savvy is the book why well, i joked about being the necronomicon from the evil dead um what is the significance of that cuz i've heard this has been in other shows and is this book going to tie us to like dr strange or other stuff because i I don't know because i like i said i am not as savvy and as well read into comic books of this uh that this show is based off of um
3: can i answer yeah man yeah Okay, so as someone who watched every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can tell you that in, um, I believe it was the third season, the, it may have been the fourth season, the Darkhold factored in prominently to an arc that they carried, and that was this kind of, like, dark magic book that if you read it, it, like, drove you insane, but it gave you access to this, like, in- incredible amount of power. Um, and that kind of had to, like, they needed to uh, create a uh, life model decoy in order to read the book to harness its potential so that way they could use it against the bad guy without actually going crazy themselves Um, and unfortunately, of course, that caused the life model decoy to go crazy and it created like a whole virtual reality simulation that our characters got stuck into. So kind of an interesting parallel to some of the things that we're seeing in this season. Um, it may be entirely incidental because I don't think that Kevin Feige really respects a lot of the storytelling that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did. Um, but there's certainly a basis for that. That is one of the most, like, significant kind of Marvel, um, mystic books so a lot of people think that this might be the new MCU version of that book. Um, but we also know that like in Doctor Strange, for example, a lot of people pointed out that there were several ancient texts that were missing from the library uh, when uh, our our guy Hannibal snuck in there and killed a bunch of people to get his book. So uh, it could be one of those books as well. And it certainly had a bit of like that orange sort of glow that the Masters of the Mystic Arts um, that Doctor Strange hang out with, like, that their magic has, so it's really, we don't have a lot of details yet to know for sure, but a lot of people are very excited that it could be Darkhold, it could be a connection to Doctor Strange, could be something brand new that we're seeing for the first time.
0: Nice. All right. Alright. Yeah, um, I, I was also an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. I, I The only thing, I, don't, I think I'm one season behind, I don't think I watched the ending. So I definitely have to check that out. Is okay. it worth checking out?
3: Yeah, the final season is actually pretty fun. It's one of the better seasons that they did. It's nice. this sort of like travel. It's like this big time travel, um, but like completely mm-hmm. different from the time travel that they did in season five. Um, so like doesn't really hold up in terms of like rules of the universe that they created, but it's really fun like walk through time and stuff. Um, there's that a will. fun cameo from a character from Agent Carter. So if you liked the Peggy Carter spinoff, uh, he is pops it, up. Is out. it Agent Carter? It is not Agent Carter, um, okay. but it is it is her love interest on that show. Um, oh, it's not even Jarvis? It's Damn. not Jarvis, no.
0: That's, that's <laughs> a, like, I mean, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and that's why no one respects Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because they couldn't <laughs> even get Jarvis. Uh, they got him in Endgame.
3: They did. That and that? I think that's why they couldn't use him in Probably. Probably not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. They, no respect. Um, yeah, uh, you know, any, any final thoughts just in general about the the Agnes reveal, anything we haven't mentioned yet?
2: Uh, Uh, Anyone? Yeah, I I mean, I do think it's interesting that she appears to have, like, a similar... Like, the way her powers are depicted visually seems to be very similar to Wanda's, except it's purple. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not sure what that's about. Um, I think it's interesting that they... I mean, it seems like they're gonna kind of go with the way she is in the comics, where she's like straight up like a witch from Salem witch trial times. Um, at least that's what it looks like, and you know that's kind of a whole genre that I don't think's ever really been touched upon in the MCU yet. So that's kind of interesting that that's where this seems to be going. Mm-hmm.
1: Very true. Do you guys think that the next episode is going to be like like mostly? about Agatha, Agatha's, like, her backstory? Or is that... Are we just going to get, like, a speech?
0: That's that's a good question, Bill. I honestly think that it, it would make sense for this episode to be the yeah. to lay the cards on the table episode, the penultimate episode, if you will, um,
3: because...
1: Well, well, I thought... Don't we have three more episodes before the end? Oh, my
3: or God, two? no. I think it's two, right? Yeah, it's just two.
0: Two, uh, two more. Math. Not my story, worries, No worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, so... Yeah, if this is, you know, the penultimate episode, this is the here is the reveal. Here is you know why this happened and and you know uh every you know all the little details.
2: Yeah. My I feel question, like that's why they got out of sorry, you know, I, I feel worry. like that's why they got um the how out of the way in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think in the next episode they're going to show like why she's doing this and like Yeah. Definitely going show
3: the why. So, I do. I have to say, I I've heard a lot of theorizing that the next episode could be just like full flashback or mostly flashback. I really hope that's not the case because that's like one of my least favorite things is when they're like, oh, it's like we're all headed for this giant climactic uh, finale, but first here's an hour where we tell you all the things we didn't tell you. It's like that mm-hmm. it just kills the the narrative of momentum dead. So I really hope that they are a little bit more tactful, especially since we already kind of did that in episode four. It would yeah. kind of stink, and we do know that this episode episode eight and episode nine are both supposed to be around an hour long so like twice as long as what we've had so far so an hour long flashback would be kind of a drag or like so, with, or like
1: when you're like about to rest rescue grogu but instead you decide to dedicate an episode to bill burr yeah and you're like
3: <laughs> what
1: so <laughs> i like to, that episode but to, you know to what to i mean to
3: combat that's the last man. time i was on your show <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: true uh alice for the sidetrack episodes
0: I just want to I want to put into perspective that we got three episodes of the sitcom before the one episode break. We've now had three episodes of the sitcom. We're getting another break. Like, I think it just makes sense
1: because I was trying to think what style could they be telling this? You know, because we've run out of technically, I think guess we've run out of sitcoms really to use unless it's completely animated.
3: Oh, my God, that'd be great. Think I think they just a, do, like, a Rick and Morty pastiche. For or, the like, next
1: Simpsons, episode? Uh, Family Guy. You know, I, I'm just trying to think, like, what else could they do? I think done? that they've...
3: Done. Yeah, they've indicated that this is kind of the end of the road with the sitcom thing. Yeah. And, and have, now it's, like... And now it's going to be more just, like, a regular Marvel movie for the last two weeks.
0: I think, I think we get a little more of the 2000s version that we got in this one in the next episode. Because we have to see... Vision and Darcy, you know, we we haven't, we, we saw Vision leave, we haven't seen him catch up to Wanda, so he's still in that realm. And so is Darcy, right? So we'll probably get the tail end of that, the transition to, you know, reality, or at least awakened Westview in some capacity.
3: Although I do kind of feel like him taking off the mic is the symbol that he's done with the sitcom pastiches. Like, he's over it, and he's not going to indulge it anymore.
0: Yeah, but, he, yeah, I mean, I think he has been, and I, I totally agree, but Darcy is clearly still in it, because she's in it. She, she's stuck yeah. in trend. Like, she's not just—I would have mowed those people down or went around them or something. It just made and, them Well, safe.
3: they're real people.
0: I know, but, you know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> You can't that's, take the funnel. The dark. funnel of love cannot
1: go off-roading. Because I thought about it like five times. I'm like, I would have just driven on the grass.
2: Yeah, and that's if, what I'm saying.
1: And truck would have got stuck immediately.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but, well, you know, this is a good, good way to transition to, uh, you know, something that we barely could discuss last week, just because of how graphic and how, you know, kind of, out of the realm of what we thought these commercials could be, but you know the next segment is oh, one this that we should bring up before we move on. Why? We're going to talk about gas and trash later. We can talk about it, but why? No, I was going to say about
1: the big the big question. I just I texted you. I guess you didn't get it. No, uh, was the physicist the reveal that oh, they're yeah. we talking yeah. about?
0: Well, let's let's. Let's save that for gas or trash because I feel like that was something we were like legitimately thinking was gonna be in this episode. So that could be a part of our gas or trash. All right. All right. But,
3: can I can I jump in before the before the commercial Yes. Yeah, sure. also? Okay. okay. So the one thing that we haven't talked about, and I do feel like it's kind of an under discussed because of the big like energy around the reveal and around our expectations for next week. The twins something awful has happened to the twins. Am yeah. I the only one who cares? These yeah. They yeah. gave us two right. and a half episodes with these little guys and mm-hmm. they just totally won me over and I'm deeply yeah, invested awful. in them surviving. And I'm very concerned that they're nowhere to be found in the end of the episode.
1: They're, they're now 40. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They
0: are now full. <laughs> no, I honestly, all right.
2: So uh, Bill, I think you're onto something, honestly. Oh shit. <laughs> <So boring. laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think by the end of the show, they're going to be older. They're That's what I was going to say. Bad. I was going to say two it's things. Like one, two really famous people play them. One cat
0: was 100% right in the sense that the kids were the end goal. You know, uh, having Wanda have the kids was Agatha's mission, right? So I, mm-hmm. I I think it's clear as day. So, you know, their whereabouts, they're probably in the dungeon somewhere being held captive or worse, um, and I do think, and I 100% agree with Cole that we're gonna get an age, we're gonna get one more aging mm-hmm. before the end of this. Maybe for them to save Wanda and Vision, which would be kind of cool. Um, but before also,
1: finally, it, before we finally meet Ralph. Oh, I know we're meeting Ralph. <laughs> Ralph <laughs> is just some sort of carnivorous plant. She's
0: Ralph. Vindicated. Ralph is Ralph is a Mephisto. No, I still think it's the mailman, but that's just that's just uh, me because of his haircut. <laughs> I still he think, wasn't I still in the montage. Come on. That's weird. You know what so, would it
3: be Would it be satisfying if you were right about that and the yes. mailman was 100%. the secret big bad of the whole yeah. series?
1: Yes. Well, <laughs> okay. shit, I still want Sparky <laughs> to be the goddamn beekeeper.
3: <laughs> so she killed I, him. I can't believe yeah. they found yeah. the most adorable oh. dog in the world and then they killed her. They killed it. And then they let Catherine Hahn cackle about it. Uh, all no. those people who are like, "Oh man, when Disney buys Marvel, it's gonna be so boring. It's gonna have to be so <laughs> kid friendly and stuff." <laughs>
0: They're <laughs> killing really everyone bad. left
3: and right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's 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 get into the commercial.
0: Um, the commercial, you know, the, first of all, the segment is titled "This episode of WandaVision is sponsored by," uh, where we get, uh, you know, a classic, classic, two thousand staple of a commercial, the drug commercial. Yeah. Um the you know the over the counter drug or yeah prescription drug commercial um it's about nexus um and Cole uh, I feel like you are either in the midst of research right now or you're just trying to remind yourself um was there a no, I'm, I'm reading a Teams message Oh nice I was going oh, to say I was going to say I was going to say is there a um is there an infinity infinity stone connection this week
2: You know, I I I think this one kinda makes that whole theory fall apart, which I did think was interesting, but you know, the the only one this would be, I mean it would either be the soul stone or the power stone. And I felt like, you know, last week it was like a bit of a stretch to say you it it had some it was like referencing the soul stone that's a bit of a stretch. So I think like for this one I, I don't see at all how like it could be referencing uh the last one which would be the power stone so i don't know I, that i think that theory might it was an interesting one and definitely i mean i don't know when i look back at it that, that Hydra soak really does look like the tesseract to me in like a very distinct way but i, I don't know I, I don't think i don't think there's any water to that theory anymore it, it just seemed to be kind of doing its own thing um It was interesting that I, you know, again, like the last one, I wasn't really sure what it was referencing, but, you know, I got the impression it was referencing something that happened to Wanda or something that's relevant to Wanda that we're not aware of yet. And I feel like this one is as well. I I Googled Nexus MCU, and the only thing I got for that was the, uh, in Age of Ultron, when I guess Tony needs to find Ultron, he goes to this, like a data bank in Oslo. And apparently that's called Nexus. Um, Hmm. But I kind of doubt that's what they're referencing. I think it's uh, what was mentioned earlier. uh, They might be referencing the Nexus of realities from the comics. So, you know, I I guess we'll see, but yeah, I I think it's referencing something we haven't uh, been made completely aware of yet.
0: You know what would be interesting if, and this is a super stretch, right? So imagine the way that Agatha and Wanda meet is because Wanda is dealing with grief, goes to see a psychiatrist. And, and, literally thought of this too. And Agatha is the psychiatrist, and she prescribes her this drug, Nexus. I know. Again, it's it's it might be a, a little thought. bit too literal. It might be too interpretation. It might be too literal, but I'm trying to figure out like how you know we're gonna get hopefully next episode or in Alice's case hopefully not uh, more <laughs> of an explanation as to the why. You know, we know the how from la- you know this week's but episode. It but, um, might not be far off.
1: Maybe not as literal, but remember, like the whole joke is like, so you're not the center of the universe, or are you? But in yeah, way, yeah. So, so it's like, somehow this is going to explain how Wanda is the center of this world. And, you know, th- then we'll get the ex- explanation from Agnes. And this could be, Agnes, I mean, like we could, it could be this Nexus thing that Alex was referencing. So it's like, this has put her, like she feels like she's the center of the universe, but she's really not. So it's like, I think probably referencing that um, but yeah, I think this does play into how we all got here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I
3: definitely, I definitely think that as well. Um, we do, I should say, I don't think that she is her therapist and prescribed her these pills, but we do see Wanda take a pill from a Nexus bottle at some point during this episode. Um, and what I think this could be representing, because as I said earlier, and as Cole just referenced as well, there's this thing in the Marvel comics called the Nexus of Reality, and it's basically this, like, this realm in between worlds that kind of connects every version of the multiverse, right? And it's the sort of space that you can pass through to get from one place to another. Um, and I kind of think that maybe, uh, due to the fact that Wanda has all of this power from, like, this Infinity Stone... Uh, the, the Mind Stone, of course, that maybe what happened was in her grief, she channeled energy directly from the nexus of reality. And that kind of like amped up her powers to create this world in the first place. And that was maybe at the at the manipulation of Agatha, um, who is kind of still feeding her energy from the nexus of reality in order to amplify her powers, in order to create these twins in order to siphon off wanda's power for whatever reason um and i think that kind of is what this commercial is hinting at and i think it's interesting because in all previous episodes all previous episodes the commercials seem to be about wanda's trauma at various stages in her life and i do think this is a meaningful pivot point where we're actually getting like a real clue about what's going on now in her current trauma
1: yeah that's interesting yeah, so you think – I mean, I'm just trying to – I'm not sure if I missed something you said, like, just from, because I wasn't listening properly. It was – so is Agnes using this for what's, – what's Agnes's benefit from So
3: this? she's – well, we had in the last episode, we had this sort of commercial where it's like I'm snacking on your magic and it's killing you and everyone else maybe. Um, and so I think, like, between that and this, we have this kind of idea of, like, maybe Agnes has – manipulated Wanda into like hyper acting her pa- like like turbo yeah. boosting her powers so that way one so that way Agnes can use it for her own ends what those ends are we don't know is it connected okay. to Mephisto is she just have her own plan we really don't know yet that's the part that's kind of very open in a fun way but i think that's sort of the the picture that we're starting to get and it's important i think maybe it's not important we'll find out that um that Wanda, in the comic books, is known as a nexus being, which means that she... she, So in the multiverse, there's tons of versions of different characters. There's worlds in which you were never born. There's worlds where you were born a million years ago. There's worlds where you're a girl instead of a boy, or like you're a cloud, whatever. Like There's a million iterations of everything. Nexus beings are beings that are constant throughout all of the multiverse. So in every single multiverse... There's a character named Wanda Maximoff who exists just as she exists here. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that is suddenly coming up here with this Nexus conversation. So I think that we're kind of going to find out that she's a Nexus being and that that gives her special access to the Nexus of reality and that maybe that is what allowed her to to turbocharge her powers and that is kind of allowing us to sort of warp reality in a way that she ha- did not have the ability to do previously. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a—I I mean, it's a great yeah. theory it's for, <laughs> for sure. It's a great theory. And, you know, it kind of goes, kind of ties into like the whole Peter Quill, you know, being part celestial kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense, um, that's you know, a lot of exposition though
1: it's a lot of exposition a lot of, it's like, They like, have I two, really they have that two
3: more hours to fill of screen I know, time,
1: so. but you just like you gotta figure out a I'm not saying like they won't do that but you got to figure out a clever way to not just be you know captain exposition dump it's like, true but yeah. I mean
3: look at how efficiently they told the story of what Monica has been doing from the time that we saw her last as a child in Captain Marvel to mm-hmm. the time that she's relevant now. They told that story in two scenes that were incredibly emotionally impactful and a lot right. of visual storytelling. Right. So I think that they're creative enough that they could that they could do it in a way that like excites the fanboys and also communicates it clearly and simply for the people who are just watching it because they love Malcolm in the middle.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is a Malcolm
1: Stan show.
0: <laughs> all right moving on to uh our final segment of the one distanced section of the podcast where we you know we're gonna give the episode a rating and uh you know we, our rating system is uh one to 10 hexes which i'd like and to credit <laughs> alex for coming up with thank you alex uh <laughs> no thank problem. you for that um uh, but also you know is this is this episode gas or trash uh i'm gonna start with bill uh, I want to hear your rating. I want to get your general, you know, general review of the episode and uh, gas or trash.
1: Well, it, it was a gas. I don't think that we've seen an episode of trash just yet, and I don't think we will. This has been a really well done series. Uh, some episodes are better than others, but, they, you know, I, I think they, they've hit a high, a high level here. Uh, for me, I'm going to give this, I'd say up until the reveal. I'd give it an eight. I think with the reveal, I gave it a nine because that reveal was just, uh, just goddamn gold. It was so good. But also I think the big, one of the big selling points of this episode, while the modern family stuff was su- and office stuff was super clever and it was very well done at advanced storyline. Uh, the Monica Rambeau storyline was awesome. Like Alex said, like she, it's basically we're now it's, it's as much her show as it is Wanda's show. And we're just as invested in her as we are Wanda because, you know, she's not our, we're not, she's not our proxy, but we're on her side. We want her to break Wanda out. We're rooting for her. She's now the hero of the story. And I don't know if any of us were really expecting her to be uh, a main hero, maybe as someone who helps Wanda. But like, we didn't, I don't know if we expected her to be the lead hero of the story now. And she is, and that's really cool. And I love this scene. One of my favorite scenes in the episode was when um Wanda basically throws her out of the house and she grounds herself and her eyes flash green. And you're like, Oh, oh, this is something special. This is this is gonna be good. We're gonna get more out of this. And like I I'm very excited to see what they're gonna do with the character. And Tiana Paris is just she's amazing in this ep in, in this in this episode and this series, so I'm very excited to see what they do with her for the rest. I, I think the one thing, I guess, that would be a letdown, but maybe it won't be, is going to be the astrophysicist reveal was uh, Major Goodner, and I'm just like, as soon as they were pulling up, and I had some military people walking, I'm just like, there was going to be no reveal who this person is, so I'm like, alright, that was a little bit of a, because we were all building it up, everyone built it up, like, everyone had theories, we all were building it up, now, could there be someone that were revealed is like, this was just the person delivering the package and there is the person who designed this not so effective spacecraft which looked directly like the one that ben affleck drove in armageddon sure because it definitely is and um listen if we cut to a scene of steve buscemi trying to ride a, uh, like a nuclear bomb i'm okay with it but um i like i said really it, alex come on that is a great scene in cinematic history from the 1990s michael bay cannon uh it's a very specific canon. Um, it is but, in the
3: Library of Congress, so, you know.
1: Yeah. Should be. <laughs> uh, but they say fuck it, a PG-13 movie, and it blew my mind when I was a kid. Uh, but I really, like I said, I really enjoyed this episode. The Agatha stuff is just great. Katherine Hahn just got so many awesome moments in it. And I, I'm, I'm looking for a Katherine Hahn-dominated next episode. So, yeah, definitely love the episode, love where they're going with it. I like that the fact that, um, you know, the circus of uh, S.W.O.R.D., it was literally transformed into a circus as well. That that's a it, it's a very on the nosy joke, but it works.
0: Cole.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think, like I said before, I've just enjoyed the show, you know, all the way up until now. I think it's been paced really well, and very hard to compare episodes to one another because honestly, it's just. Like, each one just kind of advances the story in a way that's really good. So, it's all just feeling like watching one super long movie to me. Um, but if I had to rate this one individually, I, I think I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I think I might have liked it if the Katherine Hahn reveal was, like, a little earlier in the episode. Because, again, just like so many people, I, I, I think we all what they showed at the end was kind of what everyone was thinking. So it wasn't, it was a cool reveal, but it wasn't like a shocking reveal, I guess. Um, But, you know, uh, like I said, like, I, I like the way the show has been paced out. So I'm trusting that they put it in the episode where it is for a reason. Um, I loved all the Monica Rambeau stuff. I thought just the sequence of her gaining her powers was incredible and, and amazing um honestly just one of the best superhero origin uh scenes i think in in any of these movies or shows um yeah i was pretty let down by the by the non reveal of the astrophysicist character i i feel like that's that that's something that they've been kind of stringing us along for a few episodes now and you know, ultimately, I'm not sure if it's going to be like super relevant to the plot of the movie as much as it is setting up other things. If, you know, it is indeed Reed Richards or someone else, you know, one of these other characters that people have been theorizing it could be. Um, so, you know, that that's something that I think they should, you know, I, I, I wish they would kind of wrap up sooner than later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I didn't really have any... Uh, big complaints about the episode, I'm very curious to see where it's going to go, just as I am at the end of every episode.
0: And did you uh, give a hex rating?
2: Uh, Eight and a half out of ten. Alex.
3: So, I would... I like... So I haven't been on any of the episodes yet, so I wanna give you a sense of like broadly what I'm thinking about the quality of the show. Uh, which is to say I've really enjoyed it. I've I've really, really it's it was the show that is most hyped for out of all of the slate that we've seen so far be teased. One of like and I and it's really met my expectations. So I wanna say that up front. I think that the best episode of this series, the one that kind of made all of the elements fit together perfectly and perfectly used all of the tools that this Insane conceit had at their disposal was episode five on a very special episode. I, that is my only episode that I would give like a nine out of ten hexes. Um, this episode I thought was very solid. It gave us reveals that we were looking for that we kind of saw coming, but in a fun and exciting way. As everyone has said, the Monica Rambo origin that we see is just really compelling. It's probably the strongest part of the episode. There's fun uh, playing around with the sitcom form, but less so than previous episodes. Um, and it's like, you know, it's giving our actors really great showcase. So for me, I would give it a, a six and a half out of out of 10 hexes this, this week. Um, but that's not faint praise. I think most of the episodes would kind of be in that range. Um, and I do want to say, I was talking to Bill about this last week before the reveal came, and I did caution him that... It could be that the fans are kind of getting a little bit carried away with their speculation around the astrophysicist um, because we've all decided that they hyped it up a lot by not telling us anything. But like if you go back, there's literally two lines of dialogue in two episodes and that's it. Um, And it's entirely possible that they don't say the name because the name isn't important and we wouldn't recognize the name. So why would they tell us? Um, and it's just that, like, we're treating this as, like, this mystery box, because they want us to. It's not like we're doing it inappropriately, but so therefore, like, anything could be important. Um, But I... Don't I don't know if we've necessarily met the astrophysicist yet. I think there's reason to believe that that was kind of just the delivery uh, team that we met. Um, but I don't think that it's that important to the show. And I think if you did meet the astrophysicist there, it would have really detracted mm. from Monica's big moment. And I think that Monica's moment was is what the whole show is building up to. So I'm glad that they did that, even if it kind of subverted some expectations. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely.
1: That's a really good point, because... It would, it would probably would have subverted not only just Monica. I think it would have just kind of derailed the whole episode because all we'd be yeah. talking about if that was okay. So you know, people were saying it's John Krasinski as Reed Richards. I mean, that's the, been the big speculation. If you have John Krasinski in an episode of a Marvel thing, first off, you're like, whoa! And it's like an office kind of parody. That's even more meta. And so you're right. That's going to take out all the drama of especially the moments, and I didn't talk about this, the moments where she's trying to go through and Jimmy's like, says no, it's so powerful, and it it, it really has you on the edge of the seat. Like, what's going to happen to her? If you had John Krasinski there, that's all you're thinking of.
3: And yeah, you certainly yeah, had- wouldn't, what, having John Krasinski watch her go through the barrier certainly wouldn't have added anything of meaning to the scene. It could have only taken away from it.
0: I, sure. think, I think that's a great point, Alex, and it actually makes me believe that um, they're teasing the astrophysicist as almost like a, a mid-credit stinger for the finale of the show. Yeah, I, that would be yeah. fantastic if they did that because it just makes you excited oh, about you know would it what's be coming fantastic? next. Fantastic, it would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Like like ben said, I, I think you know whoever is the identity of the of the astrophysicist isn't like relevant to the show. Just the character kind of fulfilled a, a need for the plot. But, yeah, I I am now thinking, like, they're probably going to wait till like, the end to reveal it when, like, the actual story of the show is wrapped up. So it, it's, it the, it's
1: the Book prepare. of Boba Fett reveal. Where it's like, yeah. it's like, well, now that we wrapped that, now that you saw Luke Skywalker, spoilers, uh, here's Space Sopranos. So mm-hmm. enjoy. See you in a year, guys. And it's it's probably what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go quick with mine. Um, I'm going to give this episode a nine out of 10 hexes and it's, here's the reason why it's three words, Catherine fucking Han. She, I mean, we've been saying it throughout the entire series that she is a, a gift, a gift to mankind, you know, um, just an absolute delight every time she's on screen and, you know, if I didn't give the show a nine out of ten because of one specific line, the line being "I did bite a kid once," which was the best joke <laughs> of the entire series thus far, I mean, I'll give it just because of that. Uh, but no, I thought the the ending was phenomenal. Uh, did she sing her own theme song? She, she, did. she did. Yeah, she did. So like, come on, guys, how do you yeah.
1: how do you not give this a nine out of ten? Yeah. She was so good. A theme song before. I very much appreciate that.
3: I yeah. give I give it six oh. and a half out of ten hexes, but I give it ten out of ten Hans.
0: Perfect. That's perfect.
2: Oh, I, I do want to point out something in the in the in that song. Me and Kat theorize that oh, in the Malcolm in the Middle opening she's got like naughty on her pants, and that's why she's the bad guy. And then in the song they call her naughty Agatha. Yeah.
0: There you go and, that, and that
1: we have to say this for, for cat that shong, s- song needs to be on spotify and that thing will get a bazillion listens
0: yeah and, it's already being remixed
1: it, yeah i do
3: i want to also add that the last thing that got 10 out of 10 hans was the force awakens so it's like really high praise
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's just took me a second that was good i like that <laughs> Was wait. it like, wait, was Catherine Hahn? In, was, oh,
1: <laughs> shit, I thought that. I was thinking it should be.
0: was Catherine Hahn at that?
1: Thank
3: you. Uh, she, right, should,
0: she should be in everything. They should just um, digitally put her into all past media as well as future things.
3: She clearly hoping, can do it. She's shown it. <laughs> she I, has I'm, the
1: range. I'm hoping they can put her in that new Spider-Verse as Doc
3: Ock. Why not? <sighs> Did she die tell. at the end of the first Spider-Verse? No. I, think so. oh, I can't remember. I don't think so. And I'm sure she'll be back. Yeah, she'll be back.
0: I think I think only Kingpin does. Which oh, okay.
3: no, he no, he doesn't die. Does anyone die? Well, no. Peter Parker, one of them, one of the Peter. Parker yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and,
0: and Uncle Aaron. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, but yes, so that that's gonna end it for this week's edition of Wanda Distance. But the podcast is not over because we have to end the show with our pop culture recommendations. Uh, so pop culture in a time of quarantine, and then we'll do some uh, shameless plugs. So, um, I will start cause I'll be very quick. Um, I've been like all uh, just plowing through a justified rewatch. So please, if you've never watched FX is justified with Timothy Timothy Oliphant, it's the, um, you know, he played the Marshall in, uh, season two, episode one of the Mandalorian. Um, it's that but six seasons of it and it's phenomenal so please watch it uh but no the thing that i want to talk about the most um uh, i've been playing uh, star wars jedi fallen order on uh, xbox one and it's uh it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun um i get really frustrated with games that make me feel dumb and uh, welcome to my life it takes me a long time to figure things out <laughs> i hate puzzles don't give me puzzles um but it's a lot of fun i, I love the 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 fight um mechanics is, is pretty cool the lightsaber fighting is pretty great and uh you get to kind of be like you know the jedi you always wanted them to be in terms of the the motions that you can do and the the you know all the force activity as well it's, it's a lot of fun it's a fun game uh alex i feel like you'll have some recommendations for us
3: so I want to recommend two things one is uh my favorite film of 2020 that almost no one could see in 2020 uh called Nomad's Land um people who are excited about the MCU will like should watch this movie because it's directed by the Eternals director uh Chloe Zhao um it's very much not like a Marvel property at all but it is (laughs) excellent it's this like incredible sort of like lyrical emotional uh like just kind of raw sort of story about this woman who is just existing on the edge of civilization basically um she just she lives out of a van in this kind of like community of sorts that like moves around through like these just amazing tableaus of the American countryside. And, and you think, you know, what it's going to be, you think it's going to be really emotionally manipulative and very like romanticizing of like the plight of the, of the poor in this country. And it doesn't do any of those easy things that it could have done to like tug at your heartstrings. It really is very bare. And it's very, it's much more moving because of it. It stars Francis McDormand and a lot of amateur actors who have never performed anything before, but who are actually from this community, um and it's really it's really powerful um i had the opportunity to watch it because it was made available through virtual cinema in the fall but it's now available to stream on hulu so anybody could watch it who has a hulu subscription and i really really recommend it it's going to be in a lot of oscar conversations it's up for a lot of awards and and it's just incredible um the other thing that i want to recommend is a podcast that i've been listening to recently um not part of the break. Family, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. I'm sure. Um, this is called the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show. Uh, it's run by David T. Cole, Dan Casino, and Taylor S. Cole. Um, I know these guys through the Extra Hot Great podcast, which is kind of like a TV culture podcast. Uh, but this is a really fun trivia show that you get to that you can listen to. They just wrapped up their second season, which featured a lot of like guest stars from uh, all these different like podcasts that a lot of people have listened to in the past, like and NP- Pete npr's pop culture happy hour and the slash film cast um now they're back to their normal format where it's just regular listeners call in and they compete in this kind of tournament where like every there's like a, a few rounds and you advance to the next round and it's just really fun if you like pop culture trivia uh like music and movies and tv shows and stuff they come up with really creative fun games uh and i really recommend it
0: nice awesome thank you cole what do you have for us um
3: yeah
2: uh so over the weekend, we we we've been rewatching the MCU's as of, uh, as of late. Uh, so we got up to Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It's kind of interesting watching Doctor Strange this time around because I noticed every time now that they mentioned multiverse in it, because obviously that's the title of the sequel, and they make like a very pointed reference to it, like at the very end of the movie, that you know they're kind of setting it up really. Um, unbeknownst to me at the time but uh, now seems kind of obvious now that we kind of know what direction it's going in uh but it's kind of interesting because you know the way they talk about the multiverse and it, it didn't make me think it was so much like alternate earths where you yeah. know uh, it, you know not so much like a spider-verse type thing but more like different dimensions and and realms kind of like what we see in thor But I also do know that they are apparently supposed to set up alternate Earths and things because of, you know, uh, I mean, I guess guess it's confirmed almost more or less that Toby and Andrew are going to show up in Spider-Man 3. So Mm
3: -hmm. I
2: don't know. It'll, It'll be very interesting to see. But now I'm kind of anticipating multiverse in the Doctor Strange sequel might mean something beyond just alternate Earths. It might mean just other crazy things happening um so it was kind of cool uh watch star trek talked about that already (laughs) um (laughs) we 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 uh we were watching the muppet show on on disney plus because they just put all that on there and i hadn't really watched any of it before because it wasn't on uh when i was a kid really at least i don't i don't remember it being rerun anywhere and uh, you know most of what I know of the Muppets are from the movies that have come up come out in the last 30 years um, but it was great we watched the the Alice Cooper Halloween episode that was phenomenal yeah that's gonna become like a new Halloween staple in this house um so yeah th- those are all those are all cool it'll be kind of interesting to see how like kids today react to it because I was looking through every episode and I'm like 90. 9% of these people children and I think honestly most people in their 30s aren't really going to know who they are but you know we'll see uh, it's good that they're there
1: I I, I watched that. they re- used to rerun them on Nick in the, the early to mid 90s and I remember the ones I loved uh, the Elton John one is great uh, yeah we Vincent, watched
2: that too
1: the Vincent Price one is fantastic uh, yeah. and there's a fun one with mark hamill where there's a lot of in jokes about star wars that okay. i really those are the one and i think there's a rena moreno episode that's also very good too uh okay, like yeah. a lot of who i named most people in the under 30 be like i know elton john and mark hamill
2: yeah yeah phil
1: i am going to recommend well first off uh Let's celebrate the day, February 22nd. Not only is my my wonderful wife's birthday today, um, but it is also the return of DuckTales to Disney XD for its final run, uh, and culminating in a 90-minute feature-length um, finale, which I'm excited for. Did not get to watch the new episode yet, but it features the uh, characters from Tailspin, so I'm very excited for that. But the show I'm going to recommend is actually NBC's new sitcom young rock so basically the premise of this is the rock is running for president in 2032 and people are just like he's the most famous person on earth what does he know about being a regular person so he goes on randall park from wandavision randall park's talk show where he basically retells his life and randall park plays himself in the most randall park self-deprecating manner possible and it's it jumps through four time periods. Obviously, twenty thirty two. It takes his time, um, you know, in Hawaii when I believe he's like eight to ten years old. You know, as his father and mother are there, and his father's wrestling for his grandmother, the the Rock's grandmother's wrestling promotion. It takes him to his high school years in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where they're barely struggling to get by. then it takes us to his days as a part of the Miami hurricanes in the early nineties, where he is surrounded by some of the most famous football players of all time. Um, it's surprisingly a very sweet show that the cat, the casting to get these historical figures, like just from a physical standpoint is utterly mind blowing how they really capture the physical look of, you know, people like Andre the giant and the iron Sheik, but also, the Rock's real parents, like they look like they we just pulled them out of uh, a time machine. It's amazing. Um, the high school stuff and the college stuff really kind of moves past that stunt casting and nostalgia and really focuses on The Rock's very strained relationship with his father, as well as his like kind of very strong relationship with his mother, but never done in a way that is over the top or cloying it's very frank in a lot of ways which I'm very surprised at now the whole thing is can this show live past you know this time either this whole gimmick of the time jumping you know is it gonna become too reliant on the stunt casting like what famous person's gonna show up this week I don't know but I'm but I'm very it's one of the few network sitcoms I've watched in years where I'm like I wanna see what happens next week. I actually want to tune into this again. So I'm very excited. And I'm obviously wrestling Nerd, so it, it hits a lot of sweet spots for me. But generally a funny, fun and like sincere sitcom. Huge it did a big rating for NBC. So I could see it having a second season, but I'm interested to see where the show will go. It's now it, it airs Tuesday nights on NBC. I think it's on the free version of Peacock. So you you can watch it there. And so now we're going to uh, plug away at all of our social media. So, Cole, uh, tell people where they could find you on Letterboxd.
2: Uh, they could find me at my name, Cole Rothacker, R O T H A C K E R. And uh, you can see me talk about uh, movies I watch every week. I-, I log them like most people log food when they're dieting. But. <laughs>
1: Uh, A message from your partner, Um, she just realized that Catherine Hahn sang the Agatha song. Also like to point out that the area code for a realtor for Westview is 732, which means that Westview might take place in central New Jersey. So, hey, fun fact. Um,
3: It would be appropriate since uh, a lot of people don't think central New Jersey exists, so that would be very apt. I live in it, so... I know. Uh, Al, do you want to plug your
0: stuff real quick? Yes, you're Al. Oh, well, Alex can also be an Al. I thought you were referring to him. If I called Alex Al, he would literally
1: jump through the screen and punch me. That's funny. It's it's fully against
3: (laughs) the law to call me
0: Al. It's great. And no one, because no one calls me my full name ever. So I just tell them my my name is Al. I call you your full name.
3: Yeah, I don't know why.
0: Anyway, um yeah, if you if you would like to, you can follow me on Twitter at almanarino or you can follow me on Instagram at a l m a n n a r i n o, almanarino. Al uh I'll be posting a photo a day, uh, which I need to do today cuz I have I'm, I'm a little behind, but I've been posting one photo a day uh, for the next 365 days or uh we're actually day 52, which is nuts cuz that means there's already been 52 <laughs> days of 2021, which is
1: nuts. Yeah. And your current th- theme is cosplay. Uh,
0: it's actually just Comic Con in general. Just well, a lot of Comic-Con. cosplay in it. So yes, there take is. Explain Thousands and thousands and thousands of cosplay photos over the years.
1: Um, I'm just gonna do it because Alex, I know you got a lot of stuff you want to announce and and talk about with the Pop Breaks, uh, you know, podcasting network. So. Uh, I am at Bodkin writes. If you literally just want to see me retweeting pop break stuff and, or talking about wrestling, cause that's all I do. And um, yeah, uh, follow us. The pop, we're the every single day. We have great stuff in film, music, television, digital trends, anime, comic books, you name it. We got it. Um, we are at the pop break on Twitter. We are forward slash popbreak.com all spelled on on Facebook. We are at the pop break on Instagram. And to talk about, our podcasts. We're going to send it over to our guru and our guest, Alex Marcus.
3: Okay, so first we're going to talk about my stuff, which is you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd, at Media Thinkings. Uh, you can follow my film podcast, uh, Cinema Joe's at Cinema Joe's on Twitter. We're releasing every other Thursday. Uh, we did a very fun uh, feature over the over the fall and winter time where we had our our and future guests come on uh, to talk about their favorite movies. Bill came on uh, to talk about his favorite movie called Point Break. Um, that was really fun, so you can check that out over there. Um, I also host two podcasts for uh, PopBreak.com. Uh, that is called TV Break, which I co-host with uh, Bill and our friend Josh, uh, where we talk about the ins and outs of the TV world once a month. Um, we also, I also host Goodbye to All That, Uh, which covers uh, season and series finales um, once a month. And we will actually be covering WandaVision uh, this uh, coming March. It'll be pretty much the week after uh, the release of the final episode. Joining me uh, for that episode is going to be Caleb Borchard, uh, who is a co-host from Marvel News Desk. Uh, Very excited to have him come on. Um, Also, um, you could so you could follow both of those podcasts if you subscribe to Pot Break TV, which is our TV uh, podcast hub. Um, We have other fun shows, including Live Laugh and Lovey, which is currently. Uh, covering Married at First Sight on a weekly basis. We have uh, Roses and Rejections, which is covering all of the ins and outs of this season of The Bachelor, including the bombshell Chris Harrison uh, stuff that happened last week, um, which you should definitely check out their episode of that is it's really thoughtful. Um, And also, of course, we have uh, TV, uh, we have the Anniversary Brothers, uh, their TV episode that airs once a month, and Blurred Watchers, which has been really fun, um, where these two uh, married couple kind of get together every week to talk about blurdy, nerdy stuff. Um, We also are going to announce today, right, Bill, uh, that we're kind of relaunching The Breakcast, which is uh, our flagship Uh, pop culture catch all podcast feed um we have the tv we have the anniversary brothers uh uh, their film podcast we're also going to be getting a monthly podcast from bill all about wrestling which is in the works very exciting um we are we have an anime podcast coming up called animu um which i'm really excited about from our friend rachel um, and her friend Iris, uh, and then we also have a uh, music podcast cooking uh, that's going to be coming up so- shortly. So if you subscribe to the broadcast on all major platforms that uh, host podcasts, uh, you can check that out. We're going to have one new show every week coming on Tuesdays um so yeah very excited about that and we also have uh the way too early oscar podcast which is in season right now covering all of the oscar news and that's hosted by matt and marissa matt and marissa's other podcast and the winner still is is going to be starting off on uh sundays after the oscars that's going to be really fun they spent a lot of work on that so we basically were promising you by the end of april at least uh we're going to be having one new podcast today every day at the podcast at the so check us out over there
1: That's right, Uh, you know, so Apple, Google, Anchor, Spotify, you're going to find all that stuff there. You're going to find Socially distance. you're going to find the Pop Break TV Hub, you're going to find Goodbye, uh, you're going to find... The Breakcast. There still is the Breakcast and the Way Too Early Oscar podcast. You're going to find all that on all those platforms. So Al, send us home.
0: Do you hear that, guys? A Pop Break podcast, Empire is starting. <laughs> so excited! Uh, thank I'll thank you. That, I'll only pitch that six years ago. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Alex, Alex is making it happen. He's a he's a go getter, and I love it. Uh, but that's gonna do it for this episode of Wanda Distance slash socially distance. We have two more episodes of Wanda Distance, and uh, a pretty uh, exciting couple episodes after that that uh, we will definitely uh, leave you hanging on for a little bit, and we'll, yep. we'll talk talk maybe uh, next week or the week after and give you guys a one-
1: and we got a one year anniversary coming up at the end of March. That's very true. Sad,
0: but also awesome. It's also awesome. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week for the- another installment of Wanda Distanced.